Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. This podcast is brought to you by Jarhead Diagnostics. Jarhead Diagnostics manufactures in-house diagnostic equipment and storage solutions, as well as distributes for companies like Pico, ATS, and Topdon. One of my favorite tools that I have bought from Brandon and Jarhead Diag is the case for the U-Scope. If you don't have a U-Scope, you probably should, but if you have one, you got to get one of these 3D printed cases, has a magnet on it, has a full-size BNC lead that you can connect to, and it gets rid of the weak point of that scope, which is the mini BNC connection, which is pretty fragile. This case makes this thing nice and secure and makes it an even better tool than it was. So check out jarheaddiag.com. The link is in the show notes. Hey, for this month, November 2023, all shipping for Jarhead Diagnostics products is free. You don't pay for anything if you order something in the month of November. That's jarheaddiagnostics.com. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by L1 Automotive Training and Keith Perkins. If you're looking for education on module programming, J2534, EEPROM work, key and immobilizer, electrical diagnostics, or drivability diagnostics, Keith has a website, l1training.com, that's got over 60 hours of training videos on all those subjects and more. When I first started out doing mobile, I utilized Keith's videos on module programming and J2534 in order to get my head wrapped around what I would need for the tooling, the computers, the software setups, you know, what kind of obstacles I would be up against when I'm out there programming modules on cars. And it was a huge benefit to me. And I continue to use the training videos um, that he has on his website. So I strongly recommend checking out l1training.com. The link is in the show notes. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping, and I'll be your host once again for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Today on the show, I've got a guest. His name is Maxwell Anianwu. He is a mobile technician and instructor out of Idaho, and uh, we've developed a friendship over the last couple of years interacting through Facebook and helping each other out with diagnostics and modules and things like that. Um, But Maxwell is originally from India, and he's going to share on the show today uh, his story about coming to America, going to school for automotive, working in several different shops and for uh, Ford for a while, and then eventually transitioning to doing mobile work, which is what he's doing now, diagnostics, programming, keys, and he's been doing a lot of board-level module repair as well. So uh, really cool stuff and a great guy. So I enjoyed this talk quite a bit. Hopefully you will as well. Hey, before we jump into the episode, uh, I do want to let everyone know I've gotten a lot of requests for 
shirts and or sweatshirts for the show, for the podcast, right? So I actually have that set up now that we can get these made. Uh, if you want to check out the mock-up, go to the Facebook page. You'll see that in the show notes and you can get a hold of us and get them ordered and we'll get them shipped out to you. Prices and sizes and colors and all that stuff's on there, but go check that out. And yeah, that's it. So with that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. All right. Good evening, Maxwell. How's it going? Or do you go by Maxwell or Max? I guess I never asked. It's either either one works for me. People people from India mostly call me Max, but I yeah, either one works. Okay. And then how do I pronounce your last name? I don't think I've ever heard you say it out loud. <laughs> uh it's uh it's Anianbu. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I get that right. I'll do a little introduction uh, ahead of time where I say your name, but I was like to get the pronunciation as close to correct as possible. So, cool. So, you're originally from India? So, I'm I'm from I was born and raised in India. Um my my parents were from Nigeria, so they met in India. And yeah, me and my siblings were born there. And okay. Grew up, grew up in India. Um, yeah, till till I came to America. Uh, how old were you when you came over here? Uh, about twenty four. Okay. It's, uh, about nine years. Yeah, it's been nine years. Oh wow! What was the the driving factor? How did how did that? shape up to come from across the world to America? So, I mean, I, I mean, as a, even as a teenager, I guess I, I, I wanted to come to America to, for studies. Um, what, what made it, I, I was thinking at some point, uh, cause I actually was, uh, so I did a voluntary service for my church as a as a missionary for two years and then after that I was thinking you know I was like should I go to college here in India should I go elsewhere and uh, my my mom wanted me to come here her friend also wanted me to come here and I was just uh, thinking about it and uh, I guess fights between me and my mom and my dad grew a lot and I didn't, I, I didn't want that environment. Um, I wanted to get out and I guess that was a way out for me. So yeah, when people, people think, uh, it's, it wasn't just about the education, but it was about the whole, the whole environment that I wanted to get out of. Cause okay. it was, it was, uh, it was abusive. And so I, I wanted out. And so oh, okay, I was able to come here. Now, I don't know much about India, but uh, from the stuff that I've read, like population is is a big issue there. Is did you experience that where you were at? Yeah, I mean, uh living living in Idaho and <laughs> obviously coming from India, it's a huge um I, I guess that's the culture shock because it's it's crowded like um where I live in, like um, we call it's we I'm near Idaho Falls. I'm in Rexburg, so okay. if I were to compare that to India, a city in India it would be about like 10 million people living living in that area, combining maybe Rexburg and Idaho Falls. 
Wow. And so it was it was a lot. And this is we're talking like 10 10 11 years ago and now it's probably more because I hear they're about to surpass China in That's a little wild. bit. Yeah. Especially if you look at like the physical size of the of the country that there's yeah. that many people crammed in there that's that's absolutely crazy yeah and and it well, used to be it 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 used to be pakistan and you know before the partition i can't imagine how much how many people were there but after the partition it's still big enough and you know it's india india has been divided several times and still big yeah what uh, what did you do for work uh, when you lived there Um, when I was there, it was complete like it was. I never worked you, you, as a as a foreigner. You can't really work in India. You can only study. So I was oh. more so focused on my studies. Um, my my dad had like supplemental income. He was also he and my mom both. They were students too, so they were doing their PhDs and masters, and uh, they had like supplemental income coming from. Uh, Nigeria, um, okay. but yeah, you couldn't as a foreigner. You can't. It's not like here where you know you can have a work visa or something like that. It's, I mean, I guess if you if you're there for work, you have to have a work visa. But I was on a student visa, and even though I was born there, they never considered considered me a, a citizen. I was just because in order to be a citizen. Uh, either either one of my parents has to be Indian, and so oh. it was. Yeah, I I've always been kind of the outsider because I never belong. When I went back to Nigeria for two years too, I felt like an outsider because people didn't understand the way I say things because I had that Indian accent. Okay. And uh, I think coming here to America, I think I feel more welcome because obviously it's you know there's a reason it's called the melting pot. Right, right. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything here. Yeah. Um, do you have your citizenship for the U.S. now? I I'm still I'm still a permanent resident. I'm working towards that. Hopefully next year. Okay. Yeah, I know a couple people. Um, I used to work with a guy from Mexico that he went through the process, and it was a process. Like, yeah, this wasn't something where you just go to the DMV and sign some paperwork. Like, it was <laughs> years long of doing things and waiting and and you know jumping through hoops and stuff. Um, but that I mean, that's good that there is a route that they have for you to get there. I didn't know that yeah. about India that you couldn't become a citizen there unless you had uh, parents that were from there. That's interesting, but yeah. Um, what were you studying when you were there? What were you going to school for? Um, so I started out with uh, mechanical engineering. I, I was doing mechanical engineering. Even when I came over here, it was mechanical engineering. And then, um, yeah, I <laughs> like wasn't I, I I wasn't passing my classes. I, it was you know it was kicking me around, and I heard like some. Some professors were like, you know, you probably should, you know, change your major or something. And uh, my, I had a friend who was in the automotive program here at uh, BYU, and he was like, you, you, you'd be good in this major. And I'm like, yeah, but it's too expensive for me. <laughs> and this was two years before I even thought about like changing the main my major. And so I switched 
eventually, like, you know, I took a break from school because I wasn't doing well. So I had to decide whether I was going to drop out or, um, you know, pursue something else. And yeah, automotive made sense. I talked to the instructors here and uh, yeah, they they were like, yeah, they convinced me. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I want I want to try it before I you know, completely give up on education. And so mm-hmm. ended up getting my four year degree in uh, automotive. Oh, OK. Did they actually have a four year program for the automotive or how long was that section? Yeah, it was it was a four year program. Oh, so interesting. By by the time I was done with mechanical engineering, I had already taken some generals. So now I was focused more on the core of automotive. But yeah, they do have like four uh, programs. One one of the four programs is a two year program. The three are four year programs. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the, so I taught at the one, the local community college here for the auto program. And um, yeah, two years was the max. And we, you know, we were trying to expand, build upon that because as you know, there's just so much to learn or to know yeah. about cars and to do it in two years is actually kind of tough. Um, but that's where we were capped out at as far as time for what they would allow because they didn't have, there wasn't a degree that you could get in automotive Unless it's yeah. on the engineering side of things, but that's not what we taught. There's the diploma, and there's only so many credits that you can do in that whole thing. But um, that's that's cool that they had a, a longer program. So, um, did you? And then okay, so you you did the the tech school, and then you just did you go right into a shop from there, or where did you take it from there? So right after that, I had a nine-month stint with uh, Ford, Ford Motor Company. So I worked there as a technical support analyst. So that's kind of like the same route. I mean, a step below uh, a fuel service engineer, okay. I would say. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to your show, and you've had like a couple of fuel service engineers on the show. So mm-hmm. if, I, if I pursue that route, I would be like, you know, looking into that um, – that, that being a field service engineer, but I was a technical support analyst for nine months and uh, things didn't work out there. Um, this was right around COVID. Okay. And uh, yeah, I was, yeah, they, they, they had to let me go because obviously I was, you know, not making the progress that was needed. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a downturn, but. I, I I mean looking back I if I I mean if it had to happen it makes sense now that it had to happen that way and um because a lot of the things I delve into I I got to know about uh, like the other side of automotive like programming and all that came from that aspect of uh working with them because I I worked in the sync commodity so like the um mm. yeah I was in the same commodity. Like the infotainment and yes, APIMS yes. and stuff like that. APIMS and uh, the FCIMs or FDIMs, sure. yeah. I uh, actually just did one the, the other day uh, for the first time in a while because, as I'm sure you know, the the programming for those is a little different than your average module. There's a little bit more to it. and. Yeah. Uh, some of the ones that I had done in the past took me a long time. Like it's 
you know, you're there for a couple hours at least to get this all done. And so, of course, yeah. I got to charge for that. And the dealers around here do them for pretty cheap in comparison. Um, and so I was telling people, I'm like, hey, you know, to be honest, like, I don't want to sit there for two, three hours programming an APIM. That doesn't sound like fun to me. <laughs> so <laughs> the dealer do it cheaper. But this one guy, he, he, um, was just adamant. He's like, I don't want to bring it to the dealer. I'll pay you whatever. Just come do it. Okay. And I hadn't done one in probably a year and a half, two years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and uh, so now they had switched it to where it's all through FDRS, regardless of the year. Like it can be an IDS car, but you still go through FDRS to do it now. And it went way easier than the last time I remember. I mean, you still do the flash drive thing and it's not the quickest module, but honestly, now I have a VCM three, so I don't know if that plays a role as to maybe speeding things up. I don't know, but man, I was like, Oh, these aren't too bad now. <laughs> and I mean, still you charge more than an average programming, but I'm like, okay, I was in and out of here in a reasonable amount of time. So I might start uh, trying to scoop those, those uh, modules up again. Yeah. Those, those ones were like, even being in training the way they talked about it and how you do those resets because everything was about like, because the APM is like basically the Bluetooth module. And so whenever there's issues with that, they're like, oh, could it be the customer's phone? Could it be, you know, and we sure. check everything. And so it, it always came back to either the customer's phone or the module itself. Okay. Yeah. That sort of stuff so hard to test too, right? Like. Yeah. How do you test an intermittent Bluetooth connection without replacing things? Like, exactly. No, uh, guys have enough trouble with just regular electrical testing, and then you <laughs> try to throw something like that on top of it, and it's just ridiculous. Um, I've I've had a few things like that, and it's like. Hey, it works right now. I really can't tell you much. Check for updates, right? That there are, there are updates for stuff like that, and. Maybe they'll fix it. Maybe it won't. Try a different device. You yeah, know, that's. I mean, the cool the cool thing about being in, at a dealership is you can. One of the recommendations that I, I, I heard, like even in training, that they'll tell us to tell the technician at the dealer would be to swap a known good because obviously they have the if they if we have the same car, just swap a known good. Because those those APIMs, if you if you swap them or if you swap the, the I think it was more so the the display module, the touch screens. Sure. Because you swap the touch screens because it's just part of it's just connected to the APIM. Yeah. And you swap them, and if it works, it works. If it's if it doesn't work, then something is going on. Yeah, I and I've run into that scenario. I had a a newer. Uh, Ford, I don't remember what size truck, but it was a truck and the screen was blank. And it's that setup where the screen is sandwiched onto the front of the APM. And technically yeah. it's two different modules, but the connection between the two is not normal wiring. It's this yeah. little tiny four pin connector and there's no diagram for what's what, but yeah. okay. One's got to be a power. One's got to be a ground. Right. And, yeah. um, I was trying to make the determination to the shop, you need a screen, which what's, I always get these two confused. The FCIM and FDCIM, is that the two different F modules? Yeah, the FDIM and FCDIM. Right, so which one's the controls? 
the the controls is the FCDIM, the one it's it's on the CAN network basically. Yeah, and then the screen that's the the just FDIM. The F- FD. Okay, okay. See, yeah. I can never remember those two. I know there's two, and but anyways, like on this one, you couldn't. Even with it functionally, you couldn't talk to this screen on the network, even though technically it's kind of a module and there's not a whole lot of testing when you get to that point. And yeah. um, we ended up putting an APM in it. That was my determination that I made. I was like, it doesn't seem, I actually went into the little pins between the two connectors and I'm like, ah, there's no power or ground here. Let's, let's put an APM in and it did fix it. But yeah, those are, uh, those are interesting. Um yeah. You can uh, you can do quite a bit with those APIMs too with uh, Forescan. Um, you can like change a lot of the settings. I've turned on um, navigation on some older vehicles that didn't have it. Oh. Um, and you have to get you have to get some additional stuff so that it actually has the information. Um, oh, okay. But then you can change like the splash screen and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. And I never knew that. <laughs> I, well, I, I was I, actually. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Sorry. Um, that was the reason I got Forescan was because somebody was like, hey, I have this Ford Fusion. It was a tech at a shop. And he's like, I I saw this YouTube video where this guy, you know, basically activated navigation. And it is just a setting. Now you have to have the memory card and then it has like data. Yeah. And this is an older Fusion. But uh, that was the whole reason I bought Forescan is because you actually went in there and you changed the... Uh, you know, the as-built coding and yeah. then it turns it on and then you put the memory card in and it worked. And yeah, so that was my, that was my first experience. That was quite a few years ago though. So that the old few, like uh, that fusion, was it a sync sync one or sync two? Ooh, I don't know. I want to say it was a two, but was that a was two, okay. like uh, 2018. So it's been a while. And it was uh, older. I'm trying to think of what year this was. Yeah, it was a long time ago. There's no way I'm going to remember that. But uh, it was one of the earlier versions of Sync, yeah. Oh, okay. So you went from Ford dealership, and then where'd you take it from there? So at, after they let me go at Ford, because... All this is happening uh, right around the time of COVID. So I never got the chance to go all the way to Michigan. I was like at, I was in Missouri with my in-laws and like my wife and my, and me were uh, in Missouri because it was remote. The position was remote because when, when I was going into it, it wasn't remote. It was, we were told that we know at some point we were going to go to Michigan but that okay. didn't, yeah, that didn't work out. So I stayed to, I stayed in Missouri till the day they let me go. And then uh, my wife got hired uh, teaching um, elementary, special needs elementary here in uh, Idaho. Because um, she, prior to, leave, to leaving Idaho, she was doing preschool, special needs preschool here. So she got a special needs elementary job and we came back. And then I worked for a shop here in town. It was a shop slash used car dealer. And uh, yeah, that's when I think I was there for like eight months. And then I was like, at some point, I wanted to do do my own thing. And so 
yeah, I decided to kind of go mobile at that point. And I mean, your your podcast was the because I I knew people were doing this, but I never knew to what extent. But then once I listened to your podcast, I'm like, oh, this is a thing. You know, it's like a like this a dummy is thing. doing it. I know I can. No. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was your. I mean. I don't know whether I've told you this before, but your podcast, like at that point when I left for left Ford, like my confidence was at an all time low. I was just like I was almost out of the industry. I was like, I don't want to I don't want to do anything with cars. Um because basically I felt stupid. I felt like I didn't know anything, you know? Like who who stays in a training for that long? And so at that point, I, I was listening to your podcast and I was doing this paper route and every time I would play your podcast and those early ones with the, the speed density and the mass airflow sensor, I'm like, well, that makes so much sense. And that got that got my love for diagnostics back. And I was like, maybe I, maybe I want to do this. And I talked to mm-hmm. a lot of people and a lot of people were like, you know, you should, you should probably get more experience, which, yeah, they are not wrong. But, I mean, any experience is better than no experience. And so I was just mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's why I worked at that shop for eight months. And then I'm like, I think I, think I want to do this on my own. And, yeah, it, it, was, it was really hard at first. And, yeah. So now you're out there doing the, the mobile programming, diagnostics, all that stuff? Yeah, mobile programming, diagnostics. I, I even started cutting keys now. And oh, nice! So, yeah, what uh, what machines did you get? I I got the Triton Plus. Oh, cool! Yeah, I just yeah. I just got the Triton. The the only thing I don't like about it is that it's unlike the um, the the other what's the other one? The Dolphin or the, yeah, the X Horse one? Yeah, the X Horse one that basically you know it, it has its own battery. It's you, yeah, it runs a, yeah. This one you have to like power it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it motivated me to put an inverter in my van because I had been dragging my feet on that, and it's nice. I like having the inverter in my van for sure. That is nice to just be able to plug anything in and charge a laptop or whatever. Um, but I did, yeah, kind of miss the battery uh, function because with the Dolphin, I would just grab that thing. It, like if it was cold outside, I mean, I. I don't have room to go inside of my van to cut keys. Yeah. So I would just grab it and bring it inside with me next to the car in the shop and just cut the key right there. Um, oh. But yeah, yeah, obviously, I mean, I guess I could do that with the one. I just got to bring the the cable and plug it in somewhere. But um, yeah, I, I, I bought the Triton on the recommendation from Isaac. I was talking to him about like, Hey, I'm going to buy a new key machine because I'm going to put the dolphin in my employee's van what would you recommend? Cause I, the dolphin I had was a few years old. Um, and there's, it, it's like one of those things. It's like what you're used to. You miss that because you know it. And then you're using a new tool and you're like, Oh, I don't like this. And that, it's not that it's bad. It's just, it's different. And it's, it's a learning curve. And, yeah. but it, it cuts, cuts the keys. Good. I've had really good luck with it. And it actually has a shield over the front of it so that my van's not completely full of, metal shavings all around it <laughs> that yeah. was the one bad thing about the dolphin is there's no guard so these little metal yep. shavings are just 
going everywhere inside the van. How's the uh, how's the key thing going for you? You've been doing it's, a lot of them or still just getting into it? Uh, I'm slowly getting into it. It's been about a month um, and I've had a lot a lot of requests, especially um, the Euro stuff. Um, and that's, that's a big learning curve. I, mm-hmm. I, I did a, I tried to do a, I think it was an O2 Z3, BMW Z3. Okay. That's the one that you have to take the EWS out of the car and read it to enable the key. And yep. I, yeah, I, I had to pass on that job. And later on, I found out about AK90 and I'm like, wow, I wish, I wish <laughs> I had that tool. Yeah, what's it like seventy bucks or something like that yeah, for it? Yeah. yeah. And that's it's, that's the tool. I don't know of a better one. It's not like there's a more expensive option that works better. Like that's the tool for those EWS BMWs. Yeah, it's 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 on back order right now because the one I ordered, <laughs> they told me that it's on back order and when it came, when it's out of back order, they'll ship it to me. But like, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm still waiting for mine. Okay. Well, yeah. If you need it, I can. I can mail it out to you if you just got to finish a job or something. I don't use it very often because I don't get the calls on those old ones all the time, but every once in a while and when I need it, it it sure works good. Um, Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done a ton of Euro keys lately. It's like, I'll have a big wave of them. Like it's Volkswagen, BMW, Audi, blah, blah, blah. And then lately it's all been domestic stuff, ton and ton of domestic stuff. And for the most part, all that's pretty straightforward, right? Like, yeah. Or GM Chrysler outside of some oddball stuff. That's all scan tool. Just got to wait or there's there are ways around it. I found like the, with the GMs, I didn't know at first you could just do key in out key in it's programmed like remote wow. and everything like <laughs> that's almost any blade GM with a transponder, almost not all of them, but um, and the Chrysler's I found out if you have two functional keys, same thing Ford, if you have two functional keys, that third one, like you don't have to wait the 10 minutes. You just go key in out, key in out, third key in, boom, you're done. It's wow. So it's like little stuff like that. But I will say this it's bad on me for not knowing that stuff. It's in the service information. It tells you if you just read it for key programming, that's, that's where I picked up those those tricks, but I don't know how many hours and hours I wasted doing the, the 10 minute learn for these keys when I, <laughs> when I had a functional, especially for a GM, right? Like unless I'm doing yeah. all keys lost. Okay. Well then you got to wait. But if I'm just doing, if I have a functional key, it's literally I'm done. All right. That's about as gravy as it gets as those things. Yeah. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then when I learned, I'm like, how did I not know this? But <laughs> again, yeah, just gotta, gotta read, I guess. Yeah. And you've been, uh, you've been doing a lot of module stuff too. I have seen you on the pages and stuff and getting in there, <laughs> getting, yeah. getting your hands dirty in those modules. Yeah, I've been doing I've been doing a lot more modules. I think the last one I did was a GM cluster that they they got a used one and so I obviously had to match up the mileage to the car. So that was pretty tricky because that was the EEPROM was right underneath or right very very near to the Prindle. And so oh. 
getting getting the EEPROM out was that was that was the only option because I I have an in circuit reader like the AR32A and but that one that clip won't go on there because the printle is right oh, in the way so had gotcha. to take the chip out. But you made it work. Yeah, made it work. I mean, at first it was reading zero miles, zero miles, and I was nervous. I'm like, what did I do wrong? And it's just <laughs> the EEPROM. The EEPROM wasn't sitting right. So I okay. just had to make it sit right. And yeah, I'd read the miles and they were they were happy. It was actually for the school. I, I did it for the school. I, I also teach there part-time too. Oh, okay. Yeah. At the tech school that you went to? Yes, yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. What yeah. what courses are you teaching there? So I'm doing currently I'm doing um, uh, the electricals, the basic electrical class and vehicle electronics, which is the uh, a little bit advanced electrical class. And then they have me doing a lecture for uh, auto ownership and maintenance. So that's for Aww. people like they have have people from all other majors that don't know anything about cars or, you know, they want to learn about cars. They want to know about how to maintain their cars better. So I teach that class. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And those, are you doing that at night or when are you doing those courses? I, I do. So today I had a class. So I, I, I usually do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then the, the lecture, the lecture is from 1130 to, 1230 and then the the lab because i teach the lab the, the the electrical courses is just the lab portion that i'm teaching so those labs are from um two to four fifteen okay and and it's like it's kind of like a block class it's not those electrical labs are not the whole it's not whole semester so they go for six weeks and then i switch to teaching the other lab and so it's all condensed and <laughs> yeah okay and you got a full shop, shop there, hoist yeah. vehicles and all that stuff too. Yeah, we have we have a full shop. We work on customer vehicles. Like people actually sign stuff through the school, and you know they bring in their cars, and we work on them. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, getting them that real life experience in a controlled environment. I always thought was so good, and we had this a similar type of thing. And COVID kind of screwed with taking in outside work yeah. unfortunately but uh before that when i was there it was it was awesome because yeah all the faculty and staff would bring their cars and then as long as it fit the program or the subject we were covering like yeah. we'd make it work and it was i always found it was better so let's say we're getting a vehicle in where it has a problem and i want the students to figure out what it is it was so much better if i didn't know what the problem was Right. If if I had set it up or maybe it's a school car that has a bug, a problem we know about, I would all I would find myself, even though I was trying not to, I'd find myself kind of nudging them in the right direction. Right. Like, yeah. I know you probably shouldn't check that. Right. That sort of stuff. Whereas I'm, I'm obviously there to help them, but also part of teaching is letting them figure it out. And if I don't know the problem. I found it was, it went a lot better because I just, I make some suggestions, but I don't, I don't know if they're going the right direction or not. They might be going chasing their tails on something, but that's part of the yeah. process. Right. So anyway, I tried to get in as much live work as I could for that reason. That was 
really, really beneficial for them to actually do that work. A classroom's important too, but then getting out in the shop, getting their hands on the stuff, uh, you know, like talking about something like a CAN bus or module yeah. communication or whatever. It's it's one thing in a classroom, man, it's a totally different thing to get them out on the car doing it. And sometimes you see the light bulbs come on at that point because they're like, oh, this is what you meant. I completely misunderstood or I didn't conceptualize this or saw it on a diagram. And yeah, that little line made sense for a wire, but it didn't make yeah. sense in the car, you know? Yep. That's, that's exactly, I mean, even I, I knew about Ohm's law, like when I was doing mechanical engineering because of my physics, physics classes. But once, once I switched to automotive where you can actually, you know, put that concept into practice, that's like the light bulb started going off. Yeah, and I imagine yeah. like just seeing the light bulbs on, on these, uh, these students faces, like that makes me like, I'm like, oh yeah, they, they're getting it. They're getting it. Yeah. Well, it's like I've I've dove into or tried to dive into like the actual physics of electricity a number of times, you know, looking at electron flow and all this stuff, like what's actually happening. Because I want to know. I'm curious and it's interesting. But you think about it, like if you had just learned that side of it, like how it actually works and you were really proficient on it and then somebody throw through a broken car in front of you, you're actually going to have a pretty tough time figuring it out in a practical situation. And I, tr I, when I was doing teaching and even with myself, I try to remember, okay, well, what's practical, right? We can talk about, you know, current actually flows this way instead of, you know, and, yeah. and that's great, but let's say, okay, for fixing the car, what really matters? How is this exactly. going to actually work for them on a car and so that they can understand it in their heads. Right. Like and I always said for electricity, you need to have a visual concept of it in your head because for so many things that we fix as technicians, like an engine or brakes or suspension, when I'm going into it, I can picture the components in my head, right? There's the control arm, there's the brake caliper, there's the piston, right? Especially like an engine, right? I can't see the components, but I can visualize them. I know how the crankshaft works and all this stuff. But for so many techs out there with electricity, they don't have that because, you know, realistically, we can't see it. Yes, we can measure it and all that stuff. But we can't see what's happening in the wires. And so, so many people are lost because they got nothing as far as the visualization up here. But if you can give people, here's how this works, here's the visualization. And that's where like, you know, people argue against the, the water in a tube analogy, yeah. but boy, I'd say for most of the stuff that we do on 12 volt systems, that works great as far as yep. a conceptual understanding. Uh, that's really when I'm thinking about electricity, that's how it is in my head. I don't know. I don't know yeah. what your feelings are on that. I I mean I that's how I understood it like the garden hose if, if there's a kink in the garden hose then there's yeah. resistance and so that that made sense to me and obviously as you know time has gone then I've seen maybe there's flaw there's some flaws to it but you know as far as the basic understanding of Ohm's law it works great. Mhm. Mm yeah. Yeah and if you can get that that basic understanding down Boy, yeah, it's just it applies to so much of what we do. And I mean, I'm sure yeah. you see that, like you're getting called in for diagnostics, and some of this stuff is, you know, relatively straightforward. And right, it's a 
blown fuse or a missing fuse or a yeah. open wire or, you know, so little of this stuff is actually some crazy wacky problem. Some of it is, yeah. but most of it's very basic. And just, if you know your electrical stuff, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that is true. There was, there was one that I saw today in class. Um, I think it's a, they were chasing down a parasitic drain and they've been chasing this for days now. And we saw like, right when we moved the seat forward, there was like a wet puddle of water. And obviously under, once you t- we took the, pu- uh, the carpet off, it's all like, it's all water. And I was just joking. I'm like, where, where, where is the marine life here? I mean, <laughs> the modules and water and all that. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, things get crazy sometimes, but yeah, I mean, the basics is, is what gets us like 90% of the time. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Anytime I'm going, I found myself going like into a vehicle where I'm suspecting an open circuit and maybe an open wire. I will just like, I'll be leaning in the vehicle and I don't know why I don't look at it when I walk up to the vehicle. I just don't think of it for whatever reason, but I'll turn my head and I'll look up and I'm like sunroof (laughs) or no sunroof. But if I see the sunroof, I'm like, I'm going for that water. I know it's there. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's almost guaranteed if you've got a sunroof on a vehicle and it's older than five years, I mean, probably newer if it's European, but it's going to have moisture and water underneath the carpet. Um, It's, it's so, so, so common. And well, now they have all these vehicles with these, like the, the roofs are almost all glass. I don't forget what I was in. It was a, a Lyft or an Uber that we took from the airport in Florida. And like the whole, the whole roof was glass besides the, like, framing of it and i was like oh this thing's leaking like crazy for sure give it <laughs> give it five years out in the in the wild and it's gonna be a like you say yeah a, a fishbowl <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh that and that's the sort of stuff that you see when you're out there is you're able to recognize that because you've done it over and over again like you were saying the experience part of it yeah. is just be like Oh yeah. Sunroof. Okay. All right. I know where I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. So doing the mobile stuff, what was your experience starting out with that? How did that go for you? Kind of starting from scratch. What did you start with? What jobs did you look to get right out the gate? So obviously the way, even I, I I like that question because um, that also helped me see the way I, I advertise too, because when I when I initially started, I was just advertising as diagnostics. I'm like, I'm I'm a diagnostic company, and I'm 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 willing to come and diagnose issues for you. And most shops were like, Oh yeah, we can do that ourselves. We don't we don't mm-hmm. need we don't need yep. you know someone to diagnose. And then I'm like, Oh, I need to think out of the box. Okay, I can program. And then some are like, Oh, we have we do have programming equipment. You know, some do have like a J-Box just sitting there and some do programming. And I did a few that way. And then I was, it was your podcast. It it all comes back to your podcast, Sean. (laughs) It was your (laughs) podcast that I was listening and I heard about Mike Christopherson and, you know, Pedro. Mm -hmm. And 
luckily for me, Mike is just three hours away from me. And so he was holding a class and, you know, I, I went to like, I think I've been to like two or three of his EEPROM classes. And that's when I started offering, I'm like, okay, I can do use modules too. And they're like, that's when they started being like, oh, that's different. And so mm-hmm. with that, now I've also been able to enter into keys because yes, the simple, you have the simple keys, but then they obviously, some of the more complex ones that require you to, to access the EEPROM, that, that base is already there. I've already invested in training with that. And so that that was kind of, I, w- I, w- I shouldn't say easy because I'm probably going to get something messed up, but <laughs> that was, yeah, that, that was a good base. So, yeah, yeah. I think, and, and that's why I'm like, you know, that the way I approach advertising and marketing has changed because before I was just saying diagnostics and then it moved up to programming and now I'm like cloning and now keys. And so it's just, I'm offering, I'm like, my thing is just to be, um, what's the full package, uh, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word or phrase. Sure. And so... Because the reason I even got into keys was because I, w- I was doing this uh, the Ford BCMs and a lot of the times they require two keys and I'm like, oh, yep. I have to wait for days. I have to wait for them to go to the locksmith and get a key. And I'm like, oh, why don't I do, why don't I cut a key? And so yeah. got into I think uh, all these key companies, X-Horse and Triton, old Ford, a couple bucks. Cause I hear, you know, that's everybody's story is the Ford was the gateway into doing keys is the yeah. me too is exactly why I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm turning down enough of this or I doing the tin foil thing. And I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. Let's just sell them a key. Right. And, and uh, you know, up that job and nobody has two keys for whatever reason, but no. that's just the way it is. <laughs> um, do you remember, do you remember what your first job was doing mobile? Like whoever said yes first, do you recall what that was? Yes. I remembered my first, it was, it was a Ford. Yeah, it was a Ford Taurus and it had, it was something to do with the flex because it was a flex fuel car. Mm-hmm. And um, for some reason, obviously Ford, they use instead of, you know, GM, they use the direct way of measuring the flex for uses inferred. And so mm-hmm. he, he was trying to get me to like, he's like, we've checked everything we've checked. We, I think they did a tiny timing. They, yeah, they replaced a water pump on those that on that. That was, that's if I remember right, that's the three, five. In fact, that's the same car I have. And okay. obviously if you're replacing a water pump, you're doing timing on that. And so mm-hmm. once they did timing on that, it started running lean and mm. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe we have to reset the, um, let's, let's see the alcohol content in that. And, you know, the alcohol content was a little higher and we were able to, you know, I was able to reset it. And yeah, it, that nice. was, that was the fix. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I remember my first one, it was actually a programming job because I experienced very similar to what you did where. I had kind of jumped into it as diagnostics and I wanted programming along with it, but I started out very simple. You know, I had a Kardak M and I was going to do GM Ford and work my way towards Chrysler. Um, and I didn't get any response to the diagnostic portion of it either. It was exactly like you said, <clears throat> no, we, we don't need anybody for that. We take care of that. And 
the first job I did was a um, programming job at a shop and it was a fuel pump control module on a Chevy truck. And I get up there and I, I'm, read up ahead of time and know everything I'm going to do. And I get, uh, this was SPS one at the time for GM. I get that, all that set up and you get to the part where it's going to like talk to the module to get the current calibration out so that it can show you here's the current, here's the updated calibration going into it, but it just failed. I, and I module fails to respond or something. You get that message in SPS still, if the module doesn't communicate at that point, it airs out and it aired out. And I'd never seen any of this before. And I'm like, Oh crap, I did something wrong. What, what was I, I? I know I missed a step. I thought it was me. And I'm going back over all my stuff. I'm like, do I need to like uninstall and reinstall my drivers and this and that. And it was the fuse for the fuel pump module had popped when the old one was in and the shop didn't realize that they didn't um they didn't replace the fuse whether the module's bad or not i don't know but they didn't replace the fuse so once i like calm down i'm just like okay let's just see can i talk to the module and i couldn't <laughs> and so then i was like all right all right let's go and a fuse so i popped fuse in there got the programming done and it was i remember it being a pretty cool feeling uh, right now you know i wouldn't think twice about a fuel pump control module but that was that was the first one that i did and it was it was cool to walk away from the shop and get paid for it i i, I definitely enjoyed that but then that programming part of it got me in the door right it got my foot in the door because inevitably you run into that situation where the fuse is blown for the module yeah. you're trying to program right and so now that for me i'm stopping there and i'm saying hey do you want me to figure this out for you do you guys want to do it and as I'm sure you have experienced, so many of these, so many of these shops are at their wits end when they start throwing modules and stuff and they don't want to deal with it anymore. And they just want an answer so that they can keep doing the things that they're doing, struts, ball joints, alignments, brakes, whatever. And if you can provide that answer, like you can actually do it, you can get the right answer for them. That's it's all over. Then they're, they're going to call you all the time for it. And that's, that's how it works for me. Programming got me in the door and now I can do some diag work. And I mean, there's an argument to be made that programming is much more profitable and that's what I should be pursuing over diag, but I still enjoy the diagnostic side of it. I really do. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by autorescuetools.com and Isaac Rodell. If you're looking for scan tools, key cutting equipment, programming laptops, Isaac is the guy. Not only does he have an extensive list of all of those things I mentioned, his support after the purchase is top notch. I bought my Dolphin key cutting tool from Isaac several years back, and he has helped me out every step of the way. Anything that I needed on this thing, I didn't quite understand. If I had an issue with it, I needed something additional. He was easy to get a hold of and helped me out with that. So I highly recommend that you check out his website if you need anything related to keys, scan tools, diagnostic equipment. And again, that's autorescuetools.com. The link will be in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by autorescuetools.com and Isaac Rodell. If you are looking to get into module programming, 
but you are not sure what kind of laptop you're going to need or how to set it up for programming, Isaac is your guy. He can set up laptops specifically to do control module programming for specific brands with partitioned hard drives and all the software that you're going to need to do this. He also sells key cutting equipment, scan tools, and other diagnostic equipment. Um, I bought some stuff from him in the past and the support is phenomenal. So I highly recommend checking out the website. Again, that's autorescuetools.com. The link will be in the show notes. It's it, 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 That's what, like, I, I think it's, uh, you said, you've said this, like, you know, when you were working at Firestone, the grind got monotonous. It was like yeah. the same thing. And then once you started doing what you're doing, you know, you have new problems, new challenges, and it's like, what what is in store today you know what do i have to do today and it's not what happened what worked yesterday may not necessarily work today and so it's just Mm -hmm. that challenge that that drive that keeps that keeps me going uh, to say yeah yeah right it's uh it's never boring (laughs) i I was saying this somebody the other day i'm like i don't remember the last time i was bored (laughs) it just doesn't happen (laughs) anymore uh, it's stressful. It is definitely stressful at times. And we yeah. were talking before we hit record of, you know, both of us kind of been getting beat up on stuff recently. I just, yeah. every single one I walk into, it just seems to be a disaster lately. I get a easy one here or there. Um, what did I have the other day? Uh, it was uh, a Ford, or no, I'm sorry, a Lincoln MKZ hybrid that the shop had put in like two or three different racks in this thing and a couple of them from Ford. And it kept erroring out and throwing these codes. Something was wrong with the rack. There was a U code in there. And um, this is pretty well known. Uh, I, I didn't discover this by any means, but it's out there if you search some of the websites and I've seen it before. Um, but if the front tires are either a different size even a different air pressure or one of them has like a separated uh, cord. So it's pulling or hopping or, or, or you have a ball joint that's binding, like anything that screws with the front wheels and the turning resistance when you're moving the wheel or going down the road, this thing will shut down. It'll code and it'll stop. The power steering will stop working and it's kept happening to them. So I just like hopped in the car I drove it and it's like pulling to the left and doing one of these as I'm driving on the road. I'm like, okay, we're done and <laughs> get some tires on this thing. And yeah. I, so anyways, you do get easy ones every once in a while, but man, lately it's just been just one after yeah. another. That's just a huge pain in the ass. But, but yeah. going back to what you said, that's part of why I do it. Right. It's, it's just, it is challenging. It pushes me outside of my comfort zone and to my limits on a regular basis, which I know is good for me, even though I'm frustrated in the moment, but, um, that's why I keep doing it for sure. Yeah. I mean, there are days that I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's, it's lately, it's just been anything I touch. It's just, Oh man, what, what did I do? Why did I even look at it wrong? (laughs) But, yeah. but every now, every now and then, yeah, those those easy ones come, and I think they're just there probably to reassure, you know, to reassure ourselves that you know that's maybe probably like a confidence check that you know you got you still got it. 
Yeah, yeah, right. It makes you makes you feel good, and yeah, you, if you've been through a specific problem, hopefully yeah. the next time you see that, it's a lot easier. But yeah. somebody was saying this recently. Um, I don't recall who I was in the discussion with, but they were saying you have to do the hard work in order to get the easy work, and referring to an automotive shop specifically, it's like you got to be willing to take on the jobs that suck if you want to get the gravy jobs on a regular basis. Right. And it, and it does make sense, especially for what we're doing, right. We're willing to say yes to our customer when they have got this nightmare, awful vehicle that nobody wants to deal with. And we are, yeah. we're willing to get beat up and just, you know, <laughs> spend all kinds of time trying to figure this thing out so that when they get that GMTCM, hopefully they're calling you for that programming. You can be in and out. Um, now I realize it's not always going to be the case, but uh, I've experienced it quite a bit with shops where it's just now I'm getting their business because you know I took the hit on this thing to really I, I've I figured it out for you. Hey guys, so like this ain't a profitable job for me, but I got I got it for you. This is the fix. Yeah. We can you you guys your guys headache is gone. Um, and that has really opened the doors to a lot of the simpler work that comes my way, I think. Yeah. So that's, I, I know there's an argument to the other side of that too, but it's worked out pretty well so far for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, some, some, yeah, they, if they, if you've done, um, if you've gone over a huddle, then they are like, oh, that means this, he's capable of doing this. I guess it's like, they trust you. They've, you've yeah. earned their trust. You've earned their respect. And so they're willing to let you do anything. Yeah. The, uh, the, the trust factor is huge. And yeah, you knock out a couple of them for a shop and they're going to believe anything you say. So <laughs> use that power wisely, I would say. <laughs> but it, it, it's good. You know, I, I remember a few shops when I first started were very suspicious of me. And I mean, Hey, from their perspective with good reason. And I remember one guy, he wanted me to wait until he installed the part that I told him it was before he would pay me. I'm like, nah, this is not how this works, man. <laughs> like if you have an issue, you call me, but here's why, you know, I tested it. Here's why this part is broken. Here's why it's going to fix it. But he's like, yeah. well, you just hang out here. I'll get the part and we'll get it installed and then we'll pay. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, I got a lot of other stuff to do. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, for some reason, they want to pro they want to project um, their insecurities onto you because they're like, oh, who, there's no one to blame, there's no scapegoat, so like you're the easy you're you're the easy target, so like oh you it's it's you you know you didn't fix it it, it didn't work because yeah. of you yeah yeah and so well we we get that a fair amount with the programming side of it too you know we'll get a customer request for an update and I'm sure you get this too like hey yeah. could we update this module sure can come in, update the module, you know, do everything correct with factory software. And then they're calling you the next day or whatever. Hey, I don't think you programmed this right. What, what makes you say that, sir? Well, you know, it's got this weird problem and it does this. And, you know, we were pretty sure the programming is what it needed and it didn't fix it. So you, you should probably come check this back out. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, man. We had that on a Jeep uh, recently. And it was actually like an essential update. Uh, if you've seen those with the blue lightning bolt, which is more important, I guess, with Chrysler for the, the ECM TCM and the customer requested okay. it. And they're like, Hey, we got this code. We come in and we show them. Yep. 
essential flash. Got to do it. Okay. So we do it, charge our money and we're out. We didn't do any diag, but the guy's calling me back the next week saying, Hey, his code's back. Like, okay. And he's like, what are you going to do about it? I'm like, do you want to pay me to figure it out? Well, no, you guys programmed it. I'm like, yeah. And so we had to show him like screenshots of like, here's why tech. This is what the dealer uses. Here's your before. Here's your after. I even pulled up the Chrysler flash reference sheet and showed him like, this is the newest version. You have this right now in your car. Like there's nothing else wrong that we could have done. But I think part of it, like you were saying, they want a scapegoat. They want an easy way out of their problems. And now that you're involved, hey, that's you. But there's also such a disconnect to what's actually happening when we're doing the programming, right? They don't, Sean shows up, he's in the car, he has his laptop out, something happens and hey, it's magic, right? They don't know, because they haven't done it in a lot of cases, they don't know what's actually happening. So then there's no sense of, hey, I downloaded the file, this says it's the right file, it goes in, or YTech, you hit a button and it does it all, you know, for you. Like, there's no, I shouldn't say there's no doing it wrong. I, yes, there's doing it wrong. But in that instance, like, there's, we didn't do, there's, no, there's no way we could have screwed that up doing it the way that yeah. we did it. Um, but they don't, they don't understand exactly what's happening. And so then that's part of it. Educate your customer, show them. And that's what I did. I pulled out the screenshots. Um, and one thing I can say to anybody doing this, get, get before and after screenshots, get uh, pre-scan, post-scan screenshots of the calibration, screenshots of the completed, all that stuff has saved my butt so many times. Yeah. It's like someone told me the, the, he, I think I was talking to a comp, yeah, he's a competitor, and he was like telling me that, you know, make sure you're doing your post pre-scans and post-scans. And at that time, I mean, I was still new into this. I was like, I didn't understand it. And like with few experiences that I've had, I'm like, oh yeah, this is vital. Like it's, yep. it, there's no playing around. In fact, sometimes yep. they're like, what are you doing? Why, why, why do you need your scan tool? I'm like, well, I have to make sure that, uh, the, uh, that there's no pre-existing condition after I'm done with this. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I had a shop that they were adamant that their purge valve circuit code was caused by our programming, but, and I, and I wasn't there. So he's calling me as the owner of the business and that's fine. My technician did it. And Steve tells me, yeah, I was in there. And so I believe him. And I luckily he did the pre-scan. Right. So he has that PDF saved with that purge code in it. And I'm sending the guy and he's like arguing with me. And I'm like, read the timestamp. Okay. And then look at the software that was in there. Okay. Here's our post scan. Read the timestamp. Look at the software that's in there. That code was there before. We can't, we didn't make that up. And he backed off and everything. But he was, it, it, had I not had that, the, the, the personality of the gentleman I was dealing with, it would have been an issue. He was not going to let that go, but that was proof. Like there's no arguing with that. And so, yeah, that's, that stuff is absolutely crucial to have. We, we do it on all our stuff and luckily technology makes it nice and easy, right? Just boom, all system scan report, send, you got it. I like the top down stuff. I don't know. What do you use for a tool for reports? So I do, uh, I, the IM608, I have the IM608, and then I also okay. got the, uh, what's it called? Um, it's not the Auto Pro Pad, but it's the X2 Nitro. The Nitro. 
Yes. yes. Does and, that do reports? That does. Yeah, that generates reports. Oh. That uh, does pre and post scans, and you can actually send it to either your email or the or the customer's email. No kidding. I have that tool. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. I mean, I, I got it for keys, but I mean, yep, uh, now I'm here. just like, I'm like, you know, I'm, I might, I might as well use it for other things, and it's, it's been great. Yeah. Like, it sounds like you're starting up like a DVD when you turn that thing on, though. <laughs> it's got like music and like, yeah, the, the splash screen comes up. I, I fired it up the other day. My girlfriend's like, were you watching Netflix in there? I'm like, no, it's just my tool. <laughs> yep, it is. I mean, for, for less than a, for less than a thousand bucks, you can't, you know, you can't beat that basically. Oh, it's, yeah, it is. It it's is what it is. It's been the winner for me on Nissan keys a number of times. Um, they'll do like the, the calculations and stuff on all the different ones, but then programming wise, I've had a few situations where I couldn't do it with other tools. And that thing was, that was the guy that finished it for me. And so I don't pull it out every day, which is why I don't know that it did reports, but maybe I, maybe I should, but for the, yeah, Nissan stuff, it kicks ass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I recently had a, what's it called? a Honda, an 08 Honda SI and okay. uh, Civic SI. And that, that was, that's been a nightmare. Like that's one of the nightmares I've been having. And luckily yesterday I got it done because usually on Hondas you do, if you change the VIN and do the mobilizer, it's, it's done, you know, you're done. Yeah. I saw you post but, about that actually. Yeah. I, I posted just to see if anybody has ran into that. And so I come to find out that, the the uh, what I'm suspecting is that th that ECM was either tuned or you know they did something with it. Okay. Because I couldn't I couldn't even it was kind of like you have to unlock it you can't even read the VIN number like you and know. So this is a used PCM that they were putting into it. It's a used PCM from a company that I think repairs PCM or something. I think I think uh, they call themselves N NPC. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, it didn't work out. I swapped. I swapped the EEPROM. There were two EEPROM chips, like a nineteen ninety three series. Swapped both of them, and I had a code for um, it said that keep alive memory error. And I was mm. reading the description of that code. It's like, oh, this was programmed not. You know, you you retrieve and you you retrieved and writ wrote the program. Uh, some other means or something. It's like you're not not legal means or something. Okay. And I'm like, okay. And so I go to the junkyard. I get I get luckily there was one there. I swapped the chip, did the same thing, and it yeah, car fired right up. I mean, provided the 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 they misdiagnose the thing. They misdiagnose <laughs> the cluster was actually blinking. I'm like, hey, by the way, your cluster is still blinking. Yeah. And and I'm like, okay. And um, the the guy wasn't happy. He's like, "Oh yeah, should go go up to the front. They're gonna write you a check." And I'm like, "Okay, all right." And I I, I don't know whether they're gonna call me again, but that's that's what I'm learning lately. That you know, if you call me for a job, you're calling me to program that, and so I'm going to provide the programming service. Yep. Diagnostic is another service. I would do that if you want me to. Yep. But. Yep, it looks like 100%. they just wanted me to solve all their problems. They're just like, oh, just just save us. And I'm like, no, that problem is still there. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. luckily for me, I I saved. I I done a pre scan and post scan, so I'm like, this is not on my end. It could have been on my end if I if I didn't resolve that uh, the the programming error that I was getting. But now it's all it's all it's all good. It's all fixed. And yeah, that's the worst when you so you you have a car that you're programming a module for for what the shop wants it programmed right they've diagnosed this is the problem and it turns into be its own problem for whatever reason like your ecm that's tuned or whatever you run into something weird now you've got to put a lot of effort into getting that part of your job fixed and along the way maybe maybe not till you're done but it happens to me along the way or i know right away like this isn't going to fix their problem, yeah. right? Like I've now, ha- I have crew, you know, I'm into my own problem that I've got to work through and sort through because that's the sort of thing we run into, but we're going to do all of this. I'm going to put in all of this effort to make this thing work and it's not going to fix their problem. <laughs> that's the worst. And I'll try to tell a shop like, Hey man, this is going to be a pain for X, Y, Z reason. Do you want me to go through with it? Because I don't think this is going to fix the thing you think it's going to fix. Um, I had a I had a BCM on a uh, what was it Encore some Buick or something the other day or no Equinox I'm sorry Equinox and um, it was a right turn signal and we like plugged in the BCM and it wouldn't it wouldn't do its thing either with either BCM plugged in the brand new one or the the other one, it was like the same thing completely dead. And I'm just like, I, I guys, I don't think this is going to fix it. And we, we messed around with it. And what we ended up finding was like, there was a, he wanted me to program it, but it wouldn't program completely. I wasn't able to complete it. And I, I was, I, now this is a problem for me, right? I need to get this program for this guy, get this BCM set up, but I couldn't. It kept blocking me at certain points and airing out and saying no communication, even though I could talk to it. And it showed me the calibration and it did part of the programming. And so I'm updating my MDI because I started with a VCM3 because I found VCM3 works better on GM most of the time. <laughs> but so I go to MDI. I hadn't used it in a while. It needed an update. And I was as I'm updating, I'm like, is this the update that everybody said that bricked their MDI? I'm like, shit. And so <laughs> it it bricked my MDI. And then there's a recovery and sitting there waiting, screwing around. I try the MDI, same thing. Blocks me at the same point. And I'm like, what the heck? So I'm uh, I had to back out. I'm like, okay, I, I need to figure out what's going on because I think there's something else happening with this car. Well, it turns out there was a fuse for the BCM that was missing, just not not, not there at all. It was gone. And this particular fuse was for the right rear tail light and for the left front headlight, as strange as that sounds. But the other one, the cross ones worked. Um, and so put that fuse in there and everything was happy. Now it fixed their original problem, but that was also what was blocking me from completing my programming. Um, so that one kind of was got wrapped in together, but yeah, you run into stuff like that where you're just like, this isn't going to fix your problem. <laughs> Do you sure you want to go through with all this effort? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I was having, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day and he's like, Oh yeah, you should you should tell them that it's not going to fix it and all that. I'm just like, what well, they didn't they didn't call me there to figure right. out that problem. That's not my yep. problem. Yeah. And as as much as I want to and step in and be the hero, 
it's mm-hmm. not my place because I've done, I've done, believe me, I've done where I've been in the situation where I have told them and they basically tell me to mind my business that yep. they're figuring it out. My job is to program. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I know my role. So I'm, I'm doing what you, <laughs> what you asked yep. me to do. And so it's yep. not, that's it's not it. I mean, problem. give the customer what they want. Well, you know, if that's what they ask for, that's, that's what you're going to get, sir. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, it, uh, it depends on the shop. I guess my, my attitude in that moment of what I'm going to do, but for the most part, I'm in the same boat that you are as, as I've transitioned yeah. from like, Hey guys, I'm pretty sure it's this. Do you want me to blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like programming. All right, we'll make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Hey, you still got a problem. See you later. <laughs> oh, can you look at that? Nope. Got a full schedule. Yeah. Yeah, call my, call my guy. Get, we'll get you on the schedule. You know, <laughs> then that's, that's the other thing. Do you get this? This one, it, it, it tears me. You go to a shop, they've scheduled you for one car, one problem. And then they're like, Hey, we got another one for you. Or we got another two for you. And I want the work. And actually having multiple cars at one stop is a really key to good efficiency doing what we do. But I didn't build that into my schedule. And so I'm torn on it in the fact that, Hey, it's good that they want to give me more work. It's good that they're here and ready and I don't have to drive anywhere, but it screws up the rest of my schedule in the next shop that I'm going to. And then you set that precedent and then they're just, they're not going to give you the whole picture anytime they call you. And then that has happened to me. I don't know. Have you experienced that? Have you dealt with that at all? Yeah, I think I had a, um, a shop call me to do, I want to say it was an Infinity, Infinity some model, and they replaced the cam actuators and they wanted to reset the cam actuators, and uh, they called me and then the guy called me again and he's like, hey, by the way, we have a we have a Volkswagen here that needs programming, mm-hmm. could you do that too? And then I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I was pretty open. And then he's like, oh, we have a radio for a GM, a Yukon. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that that would have to be another day. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yep. Because it's, I, I, I kind of think it's like you, if you tell them this, like or if you show them that you're capable of this, right, then they want more. They want, oh, yeah, you can do this too. Oh, yeah, you, that's, mm-hmm. that's, not a, that's not a big deal. You can do that too. That's, yeah. So they don't, they, they don't, res- some people, I should say some people in quotation, but they don't respect boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and, and that's the thing about this business that that's where I struggle with where to draw the line. And as I have been um, working on that, I've had like, you know, I, I feel happy. I feel peace because I, I, I don't go into the rut of overworking myself and being depressed because I'm working too much, I'm working around the clock, and it's work. But at the same time, I have a family, I have res- other responsibilities, and you know, yep. this yep. is not as much as I like to do this. This is not this is not who I am. This is not this is not me in entirety. You know, mm-hmm. I I have other things I do, and so I have to draw the line. Yeah, and so I think setting boundaries with these shops. And letting them know uh, expectations, like you know, this is what you're here to do. Do you need Do you need me to do anything else? That helps them because that you're kind of drawing the line there, and they are knowing they know at the end if 
they don't achieve that result. If you program something that was misdiagnosed, it's not your fault because you've already, you know, set that expectation that this is what you're here to do. Yep. Yeah. The, the policy and procedure and ex- yeah. setting expectations is huge. And it's, it's one of those things too. Like a lot of it is they don't have respect for your time. You no. know, like if you, you know, you, you, they set up an appointment with you and then you show up and the car is not there. It's not ready. You know, yeah. you ask them to have it inside. It's not inside up in the air. It's not up in the air. The battery's dead, right? They don't know where the module is. Where's the keys? I don't know. And so they don't have respect for your time, but it's one of those yeah. things where uh, I've struggled with this too, is you have to at first start with respecting your own time. You know, yeah. like Sean has to respect his time and say, Hey, I can't, waste a bunch of time doing this stuff because if you don't in the first place nobody else is going to right they're just going to keep doing it and keep you know walking all over you in that respect and so that was like the first step for me is like okay i need to value my time and then then i can extend that out to in the business and where i'm taking hits as far as productivity goes but yeah all that stuff the policy and procedure having i I got a guy answering my phones now and that's been fantastic for that because he's kind of got a script he goes through and he he's put some personality into it of course but it's like hey we need this is our checklist of things like it just got cold here right so now we're like cars need to be inside if we were doing diag that's it right and they need to be inside and so he's calling ahead and say hey can you get that car inside and they do and it that's been that's been really good to have some help there but yeah for anybody doing the stuff answering phones man get that policy procedure and use it every time yeah that's um there was a i think the other day i programmed a tri- uh, tried to program a power stroke and it didn't it didn't go through that was having com- some kind of communication fault okay. and i was there you know i was already there for like an hour and a half and I had to go to the next appointment and I'm like, um, this is not working. I've tried different VCIs. It's not mm-hmm. working. It still says the same thing. You might have to take this to the dealer. And they were like, what? We have to take it mm-hmm. to the dealer? Like, what do you mean by that? I'm just like, I, I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's in simple, plain and simple terms. I can't do it. I, I can't be the hero all the time. It's just yep. what it is. And so I had to draw that line, took my my service call fee and, you know, I left. And yes, I didn't make as much as I anticipated I'll make, but I was happy because I drew that line and I'm like, yeah, you got to take it to the dealer. Yep. That's that's a good piece of advice, too, is knowing when to walk away from something or when to say yeah. no to something. And there is a time, right? Like, I'm all about taking on the challenge and stuff, but there's a time where you got to either just say no up front or cut ties with something like you're referring to. And um, I I mentioned on the show a couple of times briefly, if I ever get it figured out, I'll probably do a case study on it, but it's a Subaru Crosstrek um, that I was doing an eyesight calibration on. Could not get this thing to go. And it's a big, long story. And I tried just about everything under the sun that I could think of, but then also they got recommended to me by Subaru technicians and people who know way more about ADOS than I do. And I tried all kinds of different stuff always with the same air. And we had new parts, OE glass, different cameras, measuring angles, all kinds of different settings, you know, as far as what the shop had available to them. I even like printed off an OE target and I had the top on target and we found a scratch on it. So I got a new target 
nothing. Always the same air, contrast air, contrast air, contrast air. And I had hours and hours and hours and hours into this car with all the trips that I had made to try to get it for the shop. And eventually I just said, Hey guys, sorry, you're going to have to take this to the dealer. Like I'm invested in this now. I really want to know what's wrong with it, but something I'm doing ain't working or something with my equipment. Take it to the dealer. So they did. (laughs) And they, they had to wait like a month to get it in or something. Like it was weeks before they could even look at it. And they do, they had it for two weeks they had the same error that I did. And they told them, hey, you need a new camera. And so the shop's like, that's cool. But if we put a new camera in there and it doesn't work, we're not paying for it. And like, Subaru's agreed to that. So they put a new camera in, contrast error. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's it's OE glass in there. And so they spent two weeks on this thing and they gave up. They said, sorry, we can't fix it. <laughs> so this <laughs> the shop, which is also a used car lot body shop, it's kind of a, yeah. uh, kind of a big... Uh, outfit he because t- yeah, i i told him would you please just let me know what the dealer says fixed it right if they just go through a normal calibration i'm going to be real questionable in my equipment but um the, he called me he's like you're gonna like this they couldn't fix it after two weeks i'm like well that makes me feel a little better <laughs> so um i said so they're keeping it as a loaner vehicle for now he's like hey man you want another crack at this thing sometime let me know and i don't have any, i haven't had the time to get back to it but i would like to solve it i would like to know what the heck that 19 cross track so and i i've again i've reached out to a number of people and i uh, nice gentleman shared a TSB from Subaru where it measured like the angle of the mounting of the camera on the angle of the body of the vehicle. And it's, it's all where it needs to be. So something, yeah. something's up with that vehicle. I don't know what it is though. Yeah. It's sounds like, yeah. I mean, you have to know when to say no. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, to walk right. away. Um, uh-huh. And if people can't respect that, then you know what? Like, sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 If, if, there's got to be got to be that mutual respect between yeah. you and your customer for sure. Yeah. And 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 one thing I'm finding some people. I I mean I I wouldn't say all most people, but some people they look at you. I I mean when I say you, I mean the mobile guy as they don't want to go to the dealer, so. You you are the who they come to because mm-hmm. they don't want to go to the dealer. They don't want to deal with the dealer, and so I I got a call the other day and this guy told me that he wanted like he got a radio used radio from the junkyard that he wanted to make work in his GM, mm-hmm. and I told him he's like oh they only say they say that it's so it can only work with either using a tech 2 or some kind of factory tool it was that old so you could use your tech 2 on it and i have i happen to have the tool with me and I, okay. I told him the price i was like yeah it could work with a tech 2 there's also a possibility it couldn't work and we might have to open it up and do some you know some eprom work and this is the price for that this is you know it's going to cost x amount of dollars and he's like you know that you're charging as much as the dealer, right? I'm like, I'm, I'm charging, yeah, I'm, I'm more expensive than the dealer. It's like, why? I'm like, because I, I'm affording you convenience. Yep. I'm coming to you. Yep. The dealer will charge you that amount regardless of whether they do squat or not. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're going to charge. It's, it's time. You're paying for that. Yep. And he didn't like that, so he ended the call. And so I'm like, like... <laughs> 
so you don't see the value in what I'm doing and you think that I I should stoop below. And and that was, I struggled with that because it, it hurt. Maybe I, I, I'll say it, it hurt my pride. Mm. It hurt me. And I was, I mean, he he didn't see, he didn't respect me. He didn't respect my time. He didn't see value in what I was doing. And so he's like, yeah. you shouldn't be charging more than the dealer. Who are you to charge more than the dealer? <laughs> or who, no, not even more than the dealer. Who are you to charge the same price as the dealer? So I well, mean, I'm just yeah. like, okay. The, the, go, go yeah, I mean, the number one thing, the dealer doesn't come to you. So yeah. there you go. Why I should charge at least the same, if not more. Yeah. But then try calling some of the dealers. If it's anything like where I'm at, you call for some of these jobs and they're a minimum of a week out. That's like the best case scenario. We have a local Ford dealer that they can't do like programming until sometime in December. Like it's and that Subaru, it was like a month before they could get it in. And uh, like we, we can get to you within 24 hours. Most yeah. cases, there's, yeah. there's exceptions but we can get to you in like a day and so why would we not be charging or like you said the convenience factor that's where it's yeah. at so um that's yeah and I, some of that is like salesmanship right selling yourself selling your product yeah. selling your business and and that sort of stuff and that that's not my forte i'll tell you that that is not my <laughs> chosen profession i never wanted to be a salesman of anything um but as a business owner, you kind of pick the stuff up as you go. And yeah. um, like I say, I got a guy to help me with that kind of now too. Who does most of the phone calls. So yeah. he's much more of a salesman than I am. He's got a, like a sales background and I'm cool with that. I'll, I'll fix the cars. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, I, uh, I really appreciate uh, you spending some time with me and we messaged back and forth a lot. And so it's been really nice to get to know you too. Um, hopefully I'll meet you in person someday yeah, here. Are you going to vision or anything? I, I think I'm planning, I'm planning to go to at least one event next year, 2024. Okay. That, that'll probably be my new year's resolution. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> to, do, uh, to fly down there or drive down there, how, however it is, but i definitely want to make it a point to at least go to one of these events. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living it vicariously through you guys. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <I'm>, <laughs> That's the worst when everybody's at an event and they're all posting about it and everything. You're like, oh man, I was just looking at the Apex SEMA stuff. I've never been to it, but there's a bunch of people I know. I'm like, oh, that would be a blast. But you can't make it to every one of them. At least I can't. I don't have the the time or the money to do something like that. But yeah. try to hit the, the big ones and I'll definitely be a vision uh, this spring in Kansas City. So, but... Yeah. Uh, thanks again for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for Maxwell for joining me today. And also a big thank you to everyone out there listening and all the feedback I get about the show. I really appreciate it. So keep it up. But with that out of the way, let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time. <laughs>